What would you do if you knew anything was possible for you? My name is Holly Moore and I started an events company 10 years ago from scratch at my dining room table. Join me over the next few weeks and hopefully at the end of it, you will see why anything truly is possible for you. Welcome to the Anything is Possible podcast. Now, we are halfway through this series and I've been getting quite a lot of messages about how I started my business. So what we thought we'd do is uh, flip the tables today and for someone to interview me. The person that is going to do that today is Juliet Tripp. And Juliet Tripp has been my executive coach for a couple of years. She also works with me in the business now at Make Events. What Juliet doesn't know about personal development, there is not to know. So she's the perfect person to take charge of the microphone today. So over to her and hopefully you'll all get a few tips and ideas if you're thinking of starting a business. Thanks so much for having me, Hall. This is very exciting to be on the other side. And it's definitely going to be a really interesting conversation. I think what you've created, which we're going to be diving into with this brand, with this podcast, is just epic. I mean, some of the guests so far, absolutely next level. And I'm not going to give them all away in case this is the first episode you're listening to. But I think it's it's just fascinating to hear your story. Um, I'm always learning so much about you. I think, you know, you've shared bits and pieces on this podcast so far. But yeah, let's take a, let's take a deep dive into the world of Holly Moore today. <gasps> Are you scared? I'm excited. Good. Just tell me if I talk too much. That's I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I'll cut you off. We need yeah. one of those like action yeah. things. Yeah. Um, anything is possible. That is why we're here today. And that is the name of the podcast. It's the name of the brand. So do you want to sum it up for us? Like, tell us about anything is possible. Yeah. So um, it goes back to about 16 years ago um, when I had OCD, which is obviously a mental health illness. Um, and when I was diagnosed, I was told that it was something that I would manage um, and live with forever. Um, fast forward, so I had it for five years and um, I had uh, some pioneering treatment five years into the illness and I basically got rid of it and I was told that I wouldn't. So when that happened, like it was almost like the blinkers came off mm. and I thought, well, I've been told the whole way through that I can't beat this and I have, so what else can I do? Um, you know, and I'm really happy to say that's like 11 years ago, I'm OCD free, I'm not on any kind of medication or therapy. So that's amazing. Um, but it also made me kind of look back on my life and realize as a child, I'd lived with a really low level of anxiety. Um, and one of the things that that did was it kept me, it will sound so strange, but um, I'm from a small town in Cheshire called Macclesfield. And I was almost terrified of leaving that so every time I went on holiday or went to another city I always just felt a little bit off a bit of a low like like I say a low level of anxiety so looking back it really stopped me pushing myself over the years so previous to having OCD I what I would do and I I learned this after is I'd put myself in jobs that were below my skill set kind of like 
subconsciously so that I would always perform better than the job itself and I would always put myself in a competitive position so actually I ended up being better than my peers but it was because I wasn't going for jobs that were um you know would stretch my capability so I never stepped out of my comfort zone so yeah so so when I got well um I just had this whole mantra of anything is possible because if I've beat that because I honestly through the treatment rewired my brain like you you could almost like feel it healing um and um, yeah, I believe I did rewire my brain in the way that I think. So I thought, what else can I do? So at that time, I was in, I know we're going to go into this, but I was in a job I'd been in four years and I just stopped being the yes person. Mm. And um, one day I decided, a couple of things had happened. I decided to leave my job without a job to go to. Um, and I freelanced for a year and then I set up Make Events, um, which we'll obviously go into more detail. But um, at that point then, as the business grew over 10 years, Anything Is Possible became a brand value, which was very much an external brand value. You know, to the client, the answer is yes, what's the question? Um, You know, one client um, wanted Kylie Minogue, who is my hero, um, as an act for their event. And when I booked that, I was like, how have I, how has that happened? Like from a little girl being obsessed with Kylie Minogue to to literally working with her um, was just unbelievable. And it just kind of reinforced this mantra of anything is possible. Um, And then, so that was an external brand value to clients. And then as time has gone on, I kind of wanted my team to believe that as well. And I wanted my story on how I started Make Events to inspire them that anything is really possible. Um, And so uh, we decided that I would set it up as a personal development brand within the business. So events is notoriously long hours. It's notoriously, notoriously stressful. So what else can we help them with on top of the you know, the job training, which was to give them personal development because it's something I was so passionate about. And that's been so successful um, that we've we've kind of trialed it internally as an ex- internal brand that we are now setting to make it an external brand. Yeah, which is so exciting. And I want to just kind of take a little bit of a back step to the idea of comfort zone, because I think, you know, to your points earlier about feeling safe there, you're, like your comfort zone is safe and that's exactly what it's for, but nothing ever grows there, nothing ever happens. Happens there. So would you say that moment leaving your job was sort of the first time that you left your comfort zone? Yes, yeah. 100%. So um, how, right, how did it happen? So I had been offered a or, or discussed about um, a promotion yeah. and with no extra money. And previous to that, I would always just say, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And um, yeah, I was offered this promotion, which was managing more revenue and more staff essentially Mm. and the old me the OCD me would have just said yes and done it and I just thought no like I don't have to stand for this anymore so I I literally I remember um in my head I went home and thought um I'm gonna do a three-month exit strategy because my notice period was three months there anyway so I'm gonna work out I don't know what I'm gonna do but I'm not staying in this job and um and then weirdly as soon as I put it I guess, out into the universe. The next day, two freelance opportunities came through, which had never, ever happened before. I got two phone calls that day. And so what was going to be, I'll have my notice in in three months when I worked out what I'm going to do. I handed my notice in that week. Um, And yeah, that was definitely the first time because I don't know if, I guess I'm quite a visual descriptive person. I remember reading a book um, years ago about a, a woman. It was a fictional book that set up a wedding planning business. And I just remember thinking, oh, I would love to do that. But it felt, 
felt to me like there'd be no anchor, like just being in a big ocean with no anchor or scaffolding or anything to hold hold you down. That's what having your own business felt to me before I was well. And yeah, I just kind of was like, I, it was just that feeling of I can do it. I've just got over this. Of course I can do it. Yeah. I'll make that money even if I'm like running a bar and whatever I'll make the money I was because it wasn't on an amazing salary at that time so yeah that is the first time and I think you know and I know that you talk about this in your coaching is that you know once you've it's like that feel the fear and do it anyway and you know once you've done it and then realize oh that wasn't so bad and this hasn't happened it like reinforces your self-esteem and confidence just to keep going and then the risks get bigger and bigger yeah 100 percent. and I think that's something about anything is possible that we love and we're really proud of as a brand certainly internally like this personal development piece is huge and it's actually about helping our team realize their potential and externally too and that's what it is right it's stepping yeah. out of what you've always known it's learning something new it's developing yourself in a different way yeah. making those bold moves and I think for anyone that knows you now they see you as so confident they yeah. see you traveling the world they see you doing pioneering stuff right is that safe to say yeah yeah um I, I think that's what people would say and you know don't get me wrong when I was ill nobody nobody knew no. like I was going into work um you know every day sat at my desk and I would work because work was my savior and I would get home and collapse and nobody knew because the thing is that is the thing with mental health you will never know who is suffering and then also the uh, uh, mental health aside there is a difference between confidence and self-esteem yeah. like I'm a pretty confident person but you know as a friend like I have quite a lot of self-esteem issues so they are two completely different things you could have somebody that would seem like an introvert and quite quiet but actually their self-esteem could be like strong as steel and I think we need to realize that they are two different things as well. Yeah, 100%. And everyone's so multidimensional that we can't put ourselves in in brackets, in sections. And that's why having a personal development brand needs to be just that. It needs to be personal. So it's yeah. like listening to the needs of your team, you know, whether, you know, you're listening and you run a business or you aspire to one day, maybe you lead a team, maybe you're a mentor, or you would like to be one day. It's tailoring it and you know, in, in the world that we work in, in events, it is crazy. And we need that extra kind of lens and extra view on, on personal development. So obviously right now you are mega confident. We see it. You have just brought Make Events into its 10th year of business, which is mega exciting alongside launching and running other brands too. But it's not always been this way, has it, Holly? You've maybe not always been the girl boss that you are right now. So why don't you take us back to your humble beginnings and like, what was your first ever job? Tell me more about that. So um, I, when I was at school, sixth form, um, obviously I went to an all-girls convent school and they were really pushing everyone to go to university. There was not an option. You know, it wasn't an option not to. Um, looking back, um, I didn't want to go to university because I didn't want to leave the grounding of my hometown. But I dressed that up by saying to my mum and dad, I would rather work than waste four years at uni and I wanted to do retail so my dad said to me get enough points so that you can go to uni and then make your choice so I actually applied for loads of graduate trainee schemes uh, not graduate sorry you know like post-college um trainee schemes and I got on Arcadia which was like top shop Dorothy Perkins so I got on their retail management scheme um got my points and then decided to go on that scheme and luckily for me it was placed really close to home so I don't I didn't have to leave home um 
I don't know what I would have done if it had been posted externally because that would have actually made me really anxious. But anyway, again, managed to kind of like mask that. Um, went to work with Dorothy Perkins and kind of traveled locally around branches. Um, and as time went on, I realized I loved the service element of it, but not necessarily the retail. And I started to get interested in hotels. So I then applied for a receptionist job at a golf and leisure resort, which was local. And again, going back to this whole comfort zone and anxiety that I either didn't realize I had or masked, um, I actually ended up in this resort for like nine years. So I worked through, I was promoted really quickly. So I was like receptionist and I was reception manager, duty manager, personnel manager, which is HR now. Um, and then eventually, um, so I got into, the, how I got into events was there was one events job and I just thought it looked amazing because she was doing weddings and parties and golf days and conferences um, but there was no opening because this girl had been there years so I went to my boss and I said look we there's 150 staff here could I run the social committee and they said well you can but you know there's no budget for it it's going back ages ago now and also you'd have to do it in your own time and I was like well that's absolutely fine so I you know and I will always say this to people now do the extra like if there's something you're interested in put your hand up volunteer create that was an opportunity I created they weren't asking for someone to like run a social committee um I just suggested it. So I did, I mean, looking back now, I did like a James Bond themed event and got all the team to dress up to be the, you know, the entertainment. And um, I did a singles night. Oh, I did literally everything. Anyway, so then when the, eventually the girl decided to leave out of the events team, I was in a really good position to put myself forward and really they couldn't have not given it to me. So I went into that role, um, made it my own and then, I was getting itchy feet maybe after a couple of years, but like I say, I'd been there nine years total. And um, close to me was AstraZeneca, who everybody's massively familiar now with because of the vaccine. And um, I knew there was a big events team there and they had big budgets and things like that. Again, staying within my comfort zone because I knew it was around the corner from home. Um, I, I knew a lady that worked there and approached her and I said, if an opportunity ever comes up. So again, I wasn't headhunted. They weren't advertising. I just said, if an an opportunity comes up please let me know she said it's really funny you should say that because I'm actually moving up and my job's going to be available and it took about six months but I got that job Um, and again that you know okay it was within the limitations of the anxiety I was clearly managing but I still created that opportunity for myself Um, and I went to work at AstraZeneca and it was absolutely brilliant and it really got me excited about employee engagement and employee events and how we can use them to motivate recruit retain staff and because the way they treated the staff was just unbelievable so I did that for four years um, and then that leads me into the story that I said before when Mm. it was during those four years at AstraZeneca that my OCD significantly um, I guess deteriorated if that's the word but on the back the back flip of that, I got private healthcare. So that was the way that I was able to get well. Um, and then when I got well, that's when I decided to leave. Um, but also, um, I know you are the queen of side hustle. So Juliet works for me full time at Make Events, but also has her own coaching business. Um, and uh, so you're the queen of side hustles. So my side hustles that I had throughout all that um, was I was a party planner for Anne Summers. 
um, which you can hear about in the episode when I interviewed Jacqueline Gold. But I also actually set up a wedding business while I was at AstraZeneca <laughs> called oh. Brides and Bows. Oh, Brides and Bows. Do you know what? I feel like Brides and Bows is the sort of thing that Holly now, like 2022 <laughs> Holly, would probably fire someone over. Yes, absolutely. Would you say? Uh, yeah, I would because <laughs> I think my speciality was a chiffon bow on a chair. Mm. Which are now banned, I believe, oh, I from mean, they're, they're Make they're Events. Oh, I banned from Make Events. Um, <laughs> But I remember thinking, and it's that mentality, I mean, I hated tying the bows, mm. but every time I tied a bow, I was like, that's two pounds. Yeah. You, used to, you know, and so, and I used to do those sweetie tables. I mean, I would look back on the photos now and be like, they are, yeah, banned. Um, but it was great because it was like my own, I had to run my own little spreadsheet with make, how much profit I'd make. And it, I just used to go out at the week, I'd do my job at AstraZeneca, which was Monday to Friday, and then go out at the weekends and earn extra cash doing sweetie tables, chair covers, all that kind of thing. That's incredible. And I think it's that entrepreneurial stuff, right? Because before you'd been working for people, yeah. for businesses, for ben- yeah. venues, for brands. And now having those side hustles actually probably equipped you with a lot of the skills. Like, yeah, it's on another level now. But yeah. did that give you a taste of what entrepreneurship could be? Yeah, 100%. Because with Brides and Bows, like one thing that I've always done wherever I've worked, I've always treated it like a big business. So I'm... I am really good. I would say my strength actually is brand building. Um, So with Brides and Bows, you know, it had a logo. I did the website myself on WordPress. It had a Facebook page. And, um, you know, I would do little wedding fairs. And what I loved about it was that it was mine. It was in my control. And I could make additional money from it because... I, you know, I don't know if you're the same with your your side hustle, but you've got your salary and you kind of always spend what you mm. earn. But this was like extra money for me. So I, the way that I saw it was, well, I don't feel guilty about treating myself because this is like my little, I don't think they called it side hustle then, but no. this is like my little extra. So definitely when I started Make Events, I was able to kind of apply what I'd done on a small scale you know, on a bigger scale. Yeah, 100%. And I think just to that point, I bet there are people listening who are intrigued to start their own side hustle or maybe scale a side hustle. And it can be such an incredible way to to kind of fuel a different part of you to, you know, maybe hit a goal. And it's something that, you know, we love supporting our team with. If Uh someone's got an idea, it's like, yes, let's go out and do that because it's only going to benefit you. And I hope I'm right in saying that that's one of the reasons that you hired me is that you could see, right, if I can run a business, alongside a full-time job I've got skills that I can then bring into your business and so on and so forth and it's this this domino effect this sort of amazing ripple effect that we can create um within the small business world and yeah and that whole whole piece really yeah definitely I think that if you know if somebody's got the ability to take something on themselves and be proactive as you did with your own business and particularly in lockdown then you're definitely going to come into a business and have those skills and we had really open conversations about you know you were always really honest with me like that you know you wanted four days a week you wanted to be able to run your business on the side you didn't want it to be any conflict of interest and I would say to anybody out there like don't think that you're um, employee or employer should I say is is going to be negative about it like you know speak to them about it and if you can make it work um you know it can only be a good thing for them yeah yeah you have to you have to be open about it I think because at the end of the day your full-time job is your full-time job and yes you might have other streams of income but it's yeah it's important and actually being open with you about it has only served me in the best possible way so that's side hustles so side hustles fueled you so you had I mean from like chair bows to vibrators you've done the lot right I mean actually my, my first business I set up I was 
13. Yeah. So I was, as I mentioned, obsessed with Kylie Minogue, Jason Donovan and Neighbours. Obviously very sad that it's, it's closed um, this summer. Um, and I used to collect everything. Um, it's probably worth a fortune now. And I used to collect everything. But in my head I was like, well, if I'm obsessed with Kylie and Jason, then people must be obsessed with brass or this or that. So what I used to do is, when I used to make my Kylie and Jason scrapbooks, I would then make a brass one or a, or a, a take that one or whatever, and then I would sell them. And there was a magazine called Pop Shop uh, that I guess was like the paper version of eBay then. And I used to advertise in there and sell my, like I even um, saved up and bought. Um, so you know you had like a VHS video recorder, which obviously you can record and watch on. There was something very modern at the time that was, that was basically a double playback. So it was like a video player that you could, put a video in, it was probably illegal actually, and then record it onto a blank VHS. So I would also sell videos through this magazine so, called Pop Shop. Sorry. Ollie, yeah. have you just admitted to like black market <laughs> films? Well, no, it wasn't. I used to, um, I just used to record all the pop stars been interviewed on the programmes of the time, which was like going live, Wogan and all that. And I used to like record them and sell them on. Yeah, I had quite, I had quite a, um, wow. Yeah, quite a, business going there my dad always remembers my first customer Ramsey Shoe Bar in Birmingham if he's listening yeah so that was my first business when I was 14 it always had that little making money spirit you did and I'd like to think that maybe the business you run now has a little bit more integrity than taping over (laughs) (laughs) but you know we're, we're all here so I mean setting up make events yeah no mean feat so how on earth did you do it did you have a ton of money in the bank? Did you have people to help you? Talk us through the starting points. Yeah, no, I absolutely didn't. Um, so I, 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 I kind of pursued the freelance world yeah. for a year um, in loads of different areas, actually. Wedding planning, running a bar, etc. And then um, had a bit of a life-changing a few months where my sister and her family all moved to America, which I found really hard. Um, and... I thought I'm, I'm going to need to go and see her in America quite a bit because we're really close. How am I going to make this work? And I chatted to my dad and my dad just said, look, why don't you set up on your own? And I was like, oh, I don't, you know, what, what if I don't get any customers? And he said, but you've never made yourself available. You've always had a good network. And actually another little bit of advice, even when I work for other companies, I would always be networking outside of work so I'd go to you know chamber of commerce events to promote the company I was working for but I would always do that outside of work so it meant that I had a lot of connections so yeah my dad just said um make yourself available and then once people know you know it's about that thing of putting it into the universe if people don't know that you're available or aren't looking for a job how you know the opportunities don't come to you so that's what I did and I'd been freelancing for another girl um who, who I'm still friends with actually now and there was a couple of clients that I'd brought into that business and she said look they're your clients take them with yeah. you and I said I will but I'm going to email them and copy you in so they know it's all above board. And I would say that's always really, really important. And so I did. And so the first two clients that I brought with me when it was make events was McCann Medical and Late Rooms at the time. Um, And yeah, so that's kind of how I started. So how I was able to do it was they had an event inquiry straight away. So they, we would always take a deposit up front for any kind of event. 
And that's the beauty of a service industry. Yeah. You're not having to have this massive investment into a product, which we are doing at the moment with anything's possible. It's a, it's a different ball game. Um, so yeah, that's how I started. I um, I estimated five grand setup costs to do like printing of uh, business cards, website, etc. But in fact, the deposits were able to pay for that. Um, and then one of my suppliers, my AV supplier, who I still work with now, I said to him, I've got no pictures for my website because all, even though I've worked in events for however long, I can't use other people's work on my website. Could I use some of your pictures? And I promise you, I'll use you as my supplier. So he gave me a load of pictures and 10 years on, they are our sole AV provider. So, you know, I stuck to my word and, you know, we've we've built a great partnership. So no, no investment, still to this day, no investment. It is 100% my business. It's completely, uh, what do they call it? Not bankrolled, bootstrapped. Bootstrapped. Yeah. Um, We took loans in COVID, um, but we didn't use them, even though we made a loss. Um, and I've I've sat on them, to be totally honest, because the interest rates are so low. And as my accountant said, you'll never get borrowing like that again. So they are sat there. And what that has meant is that, you know, with anything's possible, you know, we have got money that we can invest in that to grow that. Because like I say, it's a different ball game to setting up a service-led uh, business. Yeah, that's incredible. And it's just, you know, this whole brand is about just finding a way, making it happen, just anything is possible if you want to create it and that's you setting up make events you getting over your mental health um problems and everything every problem every challenge that you face that's come across you you found a way yeah which is incredible so let's zoom out and look at the personal development um side of things because yeah. aip is all about that that is what this brand stands for it's what we promote but how did you personally get into the personal development space um so when I was about, I think, 16, my mum took me to the library for a goal-setting workshop. It is not my mum's bag at all, so I don't know why she really took me. But anyway, um, we did this thing where you had to imagine your perfect day in five years and who you with. And I can remember to this day what that looked like. And it was it was, it was was something like a villa in Mallorca with a pool and my family were there and this handsome boyfriend or whatever that I hadn't met yet and um, anyway just imagine this day and I just loved it I was like oh god how amazing is that that I can just sit here and it's a bit of a daydreamer dream and imagine and write like the perfect day down I loved it um and then I started to read books like feel the fear and do it anyway I found a fascinating book Susan Jeffries I think it is or Jeffers and that's about Again, the way I can describe it, if you imagine fear being a glass wall and you're so scared of what's on the other side, you're only ever going to stay in that fear and scare, a scared phase unless you break through the wall and and and, and do what you fear. Um, so I loved that. And then I read various self-help books over the years to deal with romantic disasters, etc. Um, and then I really focused on it when I started to make events. And the, and the book that I read that really inspired me was Tony Robbins' Awaken the Giant Within. Um, because I guess that's what I'd just done for myself. That's, I was kind of, you know, at 34, finding myself because I'd lived with this illness, I guess, for so long. So I, I was kind of getting to know myself at that point. Read that book, loved it. Um, and then... I had a coach, um, not you, because I didn't know you then, but when I left full-time employment with AstraZeneca, I know that I'm the sort of person person that needs to be made accountable. And that's one thing I would say to anyone, you must understand and learn 
your strengths and weaknesses and how you're best to manage them. So I'm the kind of person that needs to be made accountable. Yeah. So I was thinking if I don't have a boss, I need to have somebody to answer to. So I found a coach who'd come recommended and I, I love to talk facts and figures because I think it makes sense to people. But this is 11 years ago and my f- freelance year, I learned I earned 18,000 pounds and the coach was 80 pound an hour. So do the math, like most people wouldn't invest in that. You know that. Um, but I was like, I've not been to university. This is, I'm going to invest in my university education and that's going to be personal development. And that's what I did. And um, it was the best thing I ever did. Um, and it really frustrates me when people say, you know, they'll moan about a problem like, you know, oh, I want to learn this or I want to lose weight or I want to do that, but I can't afford it. Well, you know, I, I think there are ways and means that you can try or other things you can give up to be able to afford this. And, you know... So anyway, so that's what I did. And I'm saying the facts and figures because I didn't have, you know, I wasn't being given handouts or anything like that. You know, I literally had 18,000 pounds that year. So um, yeah, did that, loved it. And I think you move through different coaches as you move through different stages in your life. And I think I've had like four now because I think your needs change based on your circumstances at the time. So I did that. And then because I love events and I love the whole event experience and that whole guest journey from like the first time you're invited to an event to the moment you leave the door, I started to look for personal development events to go to. And the best place for them is America, as you know, Juliet. So I went to the Girl Boss Rally in New York. Um, I went to Oprah Winfrey's 2020 Vision Tour. I went Hearst Live, who own like Cosmopolitan Glamour magazine. They do loads of live events. I went to Tony Robbins twice. um, And I just... A, enjoyed them and looked forward to them so much and B, got so much out of them. And so many of the goals that I've set myself have come about at personal development courses. Um, And I've just never seen, you know, there's courses I've been to that have been like 500 pounds, 1,000 pounds, whatever. But I've always thought, I didn't go to university. I didn't rack up any debt. Like, that's my education. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I, I just... I love it and I love events. So it's like my two favorite things in one space. Yeah, there's so much in that. And I think if you are listening to this episode right now, I really urge you to go and watch it on YouTube because we're sitting in House of Make and House of Make was born out of a personal development event, wasn't it? Yeah. So I'd been at Tony Robbins. um, The first time I went to Tony Robbins, he does unleash the power within it's a four-day course it is I was told it's a bit of a cult and all this kind of thing and it is a bit woo-woo but um I wrote down in the workbook house of make and it just came to me I mean my business is called make events but it just came to me at this personal development course and also over the years I'd start this powerpoint and every time I saw pictures of things I like I would stick them in anyway and then it it has manifested in House of Make and House of Make is an experiential story of our brand. Um, you know, there's a fake Starbucks because I love Starbucks. There is a Tony Robbins room. There's an Oprah Winfrey room. There's a girl boss room. Um, the dining room table I started the business is the team's dining room table. So if you look back, I mean, you've seen them at my PowerPoint, like literally things that I collected over the years are now physical things within this office. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess... 
it's manifestation and it's yeah. you getting so so clear on that goal and like you know you knowing what your dream day looks like you knowing what you want that office to look like you knowing the people that you want in your business or the dream brands that you want to work for and it's not magic yeah. it's not magic it's not you know I'm I'm a little bit spiritual so yeah I believe in the sort of power of the universe and stuff like that but if you have clarity on what you want subconsciously you are going after it all the time and because you knew okay I've had this vision for what I want my offices to be like it's a lot easier it's, it becomes within reach yeah so you can go after those goals and that is that is anything is possible yeah. that is personal development and I think it is personal it is something that you're always doing I'm a massive advocate for investing in yourself um I've I've always done it and I've always stretched myself because it yields the biggest yeah. results and you know you, you investing in yourself well, you are your best investment you call you talk about expansion as well yeah. don't you like being an expander yeah which I think I'm sometimes not as good at at the moment but that might be interesting for people to hear what that is yeah I think it's it's kind of knowing where you want to go and acting as future you so it's funny because actually I did an Instagram post about this the other day and I remember the first investment that I made in personal development was a day like a manifestation day retreat and it cost me 120 pounds I was in my overdraft at the time so my husband paid half of it because he was like I can see you're interested and then everything changed for me and then I was like okay so I'm going to stretch myself a bit further the next thing it was a thousand pounds to go to the yeah. girl boss rally set my side hustle up and that's gone you know accumulated so much and it just it, it, it's just you have to push yourself because again comfort zones are great they're comfortable they're meant to keep you safe and that's lovely but yeah. that's all it is well it's um I don't know if anyone listens to the high performance podcast with Damon Hughes a great and one. he says something like nothing good ever happens in the comfy seat no, and, it doesn't yeah it doesn't and it's like if it doesn't challenge you it won't change you and you have to you have to do something different because I would hazard a guess that you'd probably still be working for someone else probably in Macclesfield yeah. if you never said I'm going to move now I'm going yeah. to get ready to just get out of my comfort zone you know I would still be in my corporate job which I enjoyed yeah but wasn't lighting me up yeah. unless I'd said yes to that random WhatsApp I got from you one day <laughs> saying, Julia, I've got a curveball, but you'd have to leave your job. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> um, but it's it's that, you know, that yeah. is expansion to me. It's stretching yourself. It's saying, this is where I am right now. This is where I want to be. And how can I start showing up as my future self? Yeah. That's something that you've always done. So anything is possible for anyone at any stage. Yeah. And a, a great kind of part of that is it having no barriers. So yeah. talk to us about what that means. Yeah. So I think that, um, so many years ago, people asked me what it was like to be, a, a particularly how's it been to be a woman in business. And I actually have to say that it it really has never, it never felt like it affected me being a woman in business. Um, but I think as the time's gone on, I've become more aware of, people judging people often women judging people each, each other um of people putting barriers on themselves and and us putting barriers on other people and I, I've seen it I guess that's 10 years in business I've seen it much more from a helicopter point of view so what I would say is you know you have you know friends who hit their 40s and they're like oh well you know menopause is coming I'm like well, I'll do it you know it's like, oh, why are you talking like that because if you're talking that language to yourself that is going to manifest in your physical appearance your physical feelings the way that you are similarly you know um I feel like a lot of people in their 20s feel they have to do it all now you don't like 
you don't necessarily know yourself. As a woman, as a person, you rebirth so many times as a different person. I could talk you through chapters of my life where I'm this person for this amount of time. And so like this hurry that there seems to be at the moment, like that you have to have your own business or you have to have all these followers on Instagram or you have to have reached a career pinnacle by the time you're 28. Like for me, that just, it's just madness. Um, There's other barriers put on people. You know, we ask the question, oh, do you work? Or do you just look after the kids? Where's the just? Because actually, you know, raising children, it could be seen as one of the hardest, most rewarding jobs in the world. But similarly, a woman that doesn't have children will get judged that they're either like cold or career hungry or infertile. There could be a load of other reasons around it. So we're constantly being judge and constantly putting barriers on ourselves and each other I feel anyway so the examples of that would be as well um you know my a, f- a friend of mine um her daughter got pregnant at 18 and was worried that her life was over and I was like look by the time you're 36 you're gonna have an amazing like adult child and I didn't start my business until I was 35 yeah. um you know and I'm so glad I didn't start it earlier than I did because I had so much fun and done so much before. So I really wanted anything is possible to be about no barriers, no barriers to success. And also success can be whatever. It can be being a full-time mum. It can be not having children and having a part-time job, a full-time job, setting up a business. It can be all of those things combined. And it can be at any age. And I was really, I mean, um, Train With Joan is one of our podcast guests who kind of discovered herself at the age of 70. There's another lady local to us called um, Christine who set up a company called Christine's Preserves. And she's been on all the, you know, she's been on the telly for setting up these jams and gins. And she's, you know, I just feel like people, you know, feel like a certain age is a stop. You know, J-Lo, actually, I saw J-Lo interviewed by Oprah when I went on the Oprah 2020 Vision tour and she'd just done Super Bowl. It was pre-lockdown. I mean, she looked phenomenal, as we all know. But she said, you know, when she hit 50, it was like, let's it's half time, let's go. It, you know, and, and look at her. She's just like married the love of her life. I think she's 53 now, I don't know. Um, so yeah, and I wanted anything as possible to appeal to so particularly say the conference, um, you could come with your daughter, your sister, your auntie, your mum, you know, the age spectrum could be 20 to 70 and you'd all enjoy it and you'd all have a good time. And similarly with the podcast, I'd really love people to listen to the episodes. So there's some obviously that are related to fitness companies, but you, that, you don't have to be into fitness to get something from it because actually a lot of people are telling the same story just in a different way. So I'm just massively passionate about this no barriers whether that is in what you choose to do or whatever age you are that's how I feel yeah that's incredible and I think just to to ask everyone that's listening to this right now we would absolutely love it if you could take a screenshot um you know share it on social media or and tell us what your takeaway was because personal development is personal and your takeaways are going to be so different like everyone's going to take something different from it and that is the the no barriers thing um so please do that and tag us in at make events and i am holly moore events we'd love to hear what that is um but back to the topic of kind of no barriers and the different topics that we're talking 
talking about. You mentioned training with Joan. Oh my God, what a queen, what a queen. Um, she is one of our fitness guests. We we talked about fitness a few times, actually. Yeah. Some of the guests who are like huge inspirations to both of us, to you know the business, everything. But how come, like, what is it about the fitness thing that you wanted to include? Yeah, so um, I were, I, I've always been slim from being a little girl and that's what I always got praised for so you know that you know that I hold quite a lot of I guess self-esteem around that that you know and um but as I got into my 20s I was like oh I can't seem to eat McDonald's every weekend and Monster Munch Pot Noodle Dime Bar and Cherry Coke was a favorite of mine because actually I'm starting to put on a bit of weight and I didn't do any exercise I hated sports school I don't know if you've ever heard the expression like of a toffee which is you're thin on the inside but fat on the yeah no thin on the outside fat on the inside so people can be really slim but really unhealthy inside because they're eating all the wrong foods and everything so I got to like late 20s and I was like oh you know I'm not quite as slim as I used to be and I don't I don't want this to creep up on me but then in conjunction with that when I was diagnosed with OCD and the psychologist was like do you do any exercise I was like no I mean nothing um they said we really would recommend but I just didn't enjoy it. it it has you know no appeal to me whatsoever so I was working at this golf and leisure club and Obviously, they had a gym. So I just said to myself, right, if I, if I can literally put my gym kit on and go three times a week for 15 minutes, like that will tick a box for me. And I was like, you know, the, it's a power of habits, isn't it? So if I can literally start to walk in. So I'm just, so I was probably 29, 30 then. And I hated it. And then I always say to people now that want to get into it, like think about what you enjoy. So then I thought, well, I, I look like, I need to be accountable. So I knew that about myself. So I knew that if I did a class, I couldn't leave it for an hour. So I started to go like to body pump and spin. And then I started to meet people. So my best friends now, who I call the plastics, um, that that's how we all kind of grew our friendship. And so I found something. So I, was, I wasn't like working the hardest in the class, but I was going for an hour. And then I realized I could have a cappuccino at the end of it. So, so I kind of, set as a very small goal and then found out how I could make that enjoyable for me and then over the years obviously then if you start to train when you've never trained at all you start to notice a difference and especially when you're younger you can then pretty much eat what you want and train it's not so much like that now and then um and then as you as I started then obviously to earn a bit more money I could afford to go to a bit more expensive gyms or have personal training or go to Barry's which also is going to feature in our podcast but um yeah so now I would say I'm definitely a gym addict a gym bunny do I like training on my own do I ever go to the gym on my own no so I have everything to make me the only thing I can do on my own and I enjoy doing on my own is a five to ten k run that's it so I have I go to like I said Barry's classes I have PT I've got a peloton um so that if for any reason I can't run, I can do the bike and I use all the apps for all the classes and I feel like I'm working out with someone. So I've basically invested in all the things that will make me exercise. And I just kind of wanted to share that story because people think you always have to have had a be a gym bunny or, you know, I definitely wasn't and I didn't even start till I was 30, like I say. So um, I just want, hope people would be inspired to think, even if you feel like you're not an exercise person or you're never going to lose weight or I'm never going to enjoy it, like you can, and then you get addicted to it as well, which is, you know, there's worse things to be addicted to, isn't there? Exactly, and it's the endorphins. Yeah. Endorphins. 
always. And you find a way. So some people might love doing like Zumba classes yeah. because they love to dance. Others might just love going on long walks and hikes. Yeah. And you find a way that works for you, whether that is personal development, setting up a business, yeah. doing fitness. And that is what Anything is Possible yeah. is all about. Yeah. So we're coming to the end of this episode, which yeah. I can't quite believe. I mean, we've probably talked for about six hours. So we might have to cut it down a little bit. Um, but to kind of round up, I would love you to tell us your plans for Anything is Possible. Yeah. Okay, so we have set it up as its own brand with its own logo and look and feel, etc. So it is a few things. So it's going to be the podcast, which is all about brands and people that have inspired me over the years. Um, so that's one element. The other element is our, I guess you call it B2C consumer personal development conference. So we're trying to take all the things that, you know, all the personal development courses and events that I've been to, all the best bits, put them into one event in Manchester. But also because what I do is create events and love personal development, hopefully that's going to be an explosion on the senses. So that's going to be Saturday, the 25th of March, 2023 in Manchester. Um, so that's the ticketed conference, um, which will also have merchandise alongside that. Um, the other thing that we're going to be doing is because we do work in the corporate event space is offer that as um, a product to corporate businesses. So we already are doing that with a lot of the brands that we work with going into their teams and talking about empowerment. And we don't call it female empowerment, do we? We want to empower anybody. We understand that naturally we might attract a more female audience. But yeah, so going into businesses and coaching their teams on goal setting, um, personal development, confidence, all that kind of thing. Um, and then um, there'll be other things such as um, half day workshops that people can buy tickets for and retreats, etc. So You'll probably sum it up better than me. I've waffled. I mean, there's big plans. There's massive plans. Yeah. And we're going to put the notes in the show notes um, of, you know, how to get in touch. So if you're listening and you're like, wow, my team need an empowerment day. Yeah. They need a leadership uh, day. You know, send me a message because we would love to chat to you about it. Um, but yeah, I think our mission, our vision with Anything Is Possible is to empower everyone to go after their goals, whether it's in the workplace, at home, in their personal life, the big dreams and goals they never thought they would achieve. We will help you find a way. We will empower you to find a way. We will equip you with the tools and the inspiration to do so, whether that is in your workplace with a corporate workshop or it is in our conference or listening to this podcast. And personal development is accessible. There are ways to get involved in every level. This podcast is free. There are no barriers to entry. If you just sat and listened to all of this whole season, you could get tips on how to set up a business, set up a side hustle, scale your career, everything. If you want to take it that step further, come to the conference or, you know, invest in a workshop for your team. There's so many different levels. This is just the beginning and it's really nothing that the UK has ever seen before <laughs> so yeah big plans big plans so yeah very excited but Holly thank you so much for for giving me the microphone for once it <laughs> seems like you know turning the tables as you said although I think you said a different expression I will have said the wrong expression because that's what you do yeah I um, do get a lot of my phrases muddled up don't but that's I? you can't be all things to all people you are a girl boss well. yeah. <laughs> thank you Holly for being such an inspiration thank you for being so open about your journey your humble beginnings brides <laughs> and bows to you know cutting pick the black market of 
pop star interviews. Okay. I mean, we've really discussed it we've all. We've gone across all levels today. Yeah. Keep listening, guys. Thank you so, so much for being here with us. Make sure you take a screenshot, you tag us in your stories. And we would be so grateful, first and foremost, as well. Above all, if you could leave a review for us wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it be on Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It really, really helps us to grow and helps us to share the empowerment with even more people. We will catch you back soon for the next episode of Anything is Possible. Thank you so much for being here with us. Guys, it is back. Anything is possible live 2024. Join us on Saturday the 27th of April for a 12-hour personal development experience where you're going to hear from inspiring speakers, attend workshops, and get the chance to network and make friends with like-minded individuals. We have listened to your feedback and have tailored this year's content to make the event even bigger and better than last year's. You need to keep your eyes peeled for exciting announcements of some new faces and familiar faces that you might have seen before. I cannot wait to see you all in person there.